This is the Providing Value Podcast. And so they said, well, what do you think it's worth? And we said, well, quite frankly, the market's going to tell us. But we think whatever you could dream of, it's probably possible. And so we put a very aspirational number on it. And sure enough, we got really, really close if the deal ends up closing. And it mm-hmm. should. It was this, this thing where we said, look, there's enough outside interest in being down here that people aren't just buying your building. They're buying the fact that they're in downtown Franklin. Hey, I'm Zach Doris, and you're listening to the Providing Value Podcast, a show that features the numbers to know and the perspectives that matter in the commercial real estate market of greater Nashville, Tennessee. As a commercial real estate appraiser and lifelong Nashvillian, I provide you the same insight and tools that I have discovered talking with some of the most trusted voices in our industry. Join me today as I speak with Devin McClendon of NAI Nashville about the economics of Williamson County, the dynamic appeal of downtown Franklin, and why the barriers of entry for development are so high in Nashville's most desirable suburban submarket. Hi, and welcome to the Providing Value Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Doris, and I'm here uh, once again, with a, a very interesting market participant, Devin McClendon of NAI Nashville. Devin, how are you today? I'm doing great. Good, man. I'm so glad that you're here. We've gotten to chat a little bit before this, and I'm really excited about this interview and where it's going to go. Very good. Devin founded NAI Nashville in 2011. He's been in the CRE game uh, since the late 90s, had a little break for a couple of years in the early aughts and then came back. And he really has his specialty here in Middle Tennessee uh, is not solely an asset class, which the uh, our first few here have been based on different property types. But what I really love about Devin is that he's more encompassing and I'm excited to hear what he has to say about Williamson County, which is a very defined submarket in the Nashville MSA. And I'm not going to say too much about it because I'm not <laughs> the expert, but Devin most surely is. And so uh, I'm really excited to have you here today and so thankful you said yes to this. Tell us, Devin, what your history in the Nashville MSA is and then also specifically Williamson County. Sure. So first and foremost, it's a pleasure to sit here with you. Um, Thanks. Uh, I'm a uh, uh, a fan and uh, I enjoy the work. So it's an honor to sit here and, and talk shop. I appreciate that. Uh, I could talk shop for hours. Oh, I know. It's, uh, it's awesome. <laughs> as my wife might say, that's my downfall. I get a little <laughs> too excited about it. I am a, in a unique position in that I am a native of Williamson County. Mm. I was uh, born here. My parents uh, had been in Nashville for some time. My father was a multi generational Nashvillian. Uh, my mother spent most of her life in, in Rutherford County and Murfreesboro. Mm-hmm. And as they settled down, I was the second child. Uh, this is the early 70s. Uh, they said, we need to find a place where we can make sure our kids are going to get a great education. Brentwood was new at that time, and so they settled in at Brentwood. Yeah, and when, uh, when was that time? Yeah, you said uh, it was 73. Time. Okay. So... Uh, they made a short hop from what nowadays would be up by Lipscomb University, uh-huh. just south down Granny White Pike uh-huh. into and Brentwood. They moved into the sticks. They at did. That well, time. at huh. the time, it, there wasn't a lot here. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, you know, Brentwood historically had a name of Midway. It was Midway between 
Nashville and Franklin. That's right. Uh, and there's some great colorful history, uh, if folks will dive into it, about uh, right where we're sitting here on the north side of Brentwood, the, right at the line between Brentwood and Nashville, about bars and gambling halls. And oh, wow. There was a, a very distinct nightlife uh-huh. back in the day. Uh, but I had no idea. It's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Brentwood has a, an interestingly seedy past, if you will, uh-huh. uh, with okay. slot machines and, and, oh, wow. uh, and alcohol that moved magically across the county line, <laughs> depending on who was coming through the door. Uh, but uh, so I'm a native Williamson County. I, I call myself a native Middle Tennessean. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father worked downtown. Mm-hmm. So my view of downtown Nashville is that from the 70s and early 80s, uh, pre the Church Street revival uh, from Mayor Fulton. Mm-hmm. Um, my view of Middle Tennessee is as much rural as it is now urban and suburban. Mm-hmm. I often draw on that as it relates to growth, how's it going, where's it going. And then over the years, uh, because I live in Williamson County and I've chosen to locate our business in Williamson County, um, that's really developed into a bit of a specialty. Yeah. And talk to me about Williamson County in general. Sure. Today, what what is Williamson County for a listener who might be from out of state, who might not know, yeah. but also specifically for somebody who's right down the street that might have never known, oh, I didn't know that about Williamson County. If you start at the macro end of that question right. and you say, well, what is Williamson County? Williamson County is the affluent suburban county of Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Williamson County is certainly not the largest suburban county. That that goes to Rutherford County, mm-hmm. but they're very close. Uh, I think Williamson County's probably at a population now of around 230, 240,000 people. Rutherford County's just a, a hair above that. Okay, They've grown almost neck and neck. Uh, Rutherford County was typically more the home to manufacturing, whereas Williamson County started off not only with the city of Franklin, which is its own unique picture, Uh, But as that area between Franklin and Nashville grew, the Franklin, Cool Springs, Brentwood communities, um, it was more traditional suburban. So it's an affluent county, uh, over $100,000 median household income in Williamson County. Mm -hmm. To give you a comparative idea, whether you're here or whether you're in Washington State, if you go down that scale, the next highest Median household income in Tennessee is seventy-five thousand. Wow! So it's three-fourths, thirty-three percent higher yeah. than the next highest county mm-hmm. in the state. So it is mm. it is a very affluent area um, for sure. All the economic indicators related to that uh, you can see in reporting and statistics. Yeah, Home and driving values. down the street. Well, sure, <laughs> <laughs> and what you pay at the gas pump. That's right. It is that you're sitting, we're sitting here in North Brentwood in what I've heard labeled as the most expensive place to buy gasoline in the state. They know they can they get know. it. They know. That's right. <laughs> they know their market. Um, Williamson County is home to the highest uh, percentage of college degree holders in the state. Mm. That adds to it. Mm-hmm. That necess- isn't necessarily something that it's been that's been a driver of growth, but it's gone hand in hand with growth. Yeah. How did Williamson County get here? You've been here long enough to know. I mean, you know, back in 1973, 
we probably wouldn't have said that so specifically some of these statistics about Williamson County compared to Rutherford County. That's right. Well, I think any time you look at a metropolitan area, Nashville, Atlanta, uh, particularly in the South, Raleigh, Charlotte, uh, Birmingham, Memphis, any of those geography plays a little bit to that. Sure. Um, And that's had a little bit to do with it in Middle Tennessee. But really, it's two things. One, the city of Franklin, I've always used for folks outside the market, uh, I've used a definition that says, if Middle Tennessee or if Nashville were to disappear, would the city of Franklin float on its own? And I've always argued it would, Mm. because it did. Mm-hmm. Franklin is a historic town for in the South. Mm-hmm. Murfreesboro over in Rutherford County is very similar. If you got if Nashville was wiped off the map, would Murfreesboro survive? And it would because it has its own economy. So that's the first thing for Williamson County is you say is the county seat Franklin is it self sustaining? And I believe it would be hmm. to some you know to a good degree. Right. Then you say. Well, what else has caused Williamson County to grow in the manner in which it has? Some of that's a little bit of sheer luck. The north end of Williamson County is the city of Brentwood. So to give you an idea, that's about 45,000 residents. They're anticipating that by the time Brentwood is fully built out, it could hit around 60,000. Wow. So it's a, it's a healthy-sized town, but it's not dominant in any way. Right. Brentwood sits on the south border of Davidson County. Mm -hmm. It touches. But the north end of Williamson County has been fortunate in that it is the most adjacent land to where the wealth of Nashville lived. Mm -hmm. So if you say, if you say, look at Davidson County and and look at it as a, where is most of the historical wealth? It's in the Bellmead, the Forest Hills, the Oak Hill areas, Mm -hmm. right? And that's grown quite a bit. Sure. But disproportionately, that's where it's been. Brentwood sits right on that southern border. So the next undeveloped land, as suburban growth begins in the south, in primarily the 60s and 70s, the most adjacent land was just across the county line. Hmm. Brentwood as a city was founded in 69. So it was just prepared to be able to deal with those growth issues that came with new subdivisions. So as America was growing in that era, the suburban growth of America um, for many, many reasons. It followed suit that you had this new city. It was capable, well-run at the time, and it was right next to where all the wealth was. Yeah. So as you had Nashville growing, that's where it grew. Mm-hmm. And they were these, you know, one-acre lots with trees and beautiful, you know, views and all these things that it kind of just lucked out. Yeah. So right place, right time. Right place, right time. Combine that with this really strong, um, prideful city of Franklin that has this awesome, rich history that was, that was strong in its own right, and now you have a county that has some real legs. Yeah. Legs to move from primarily an agricultural base to more of a white-collar base. Yeah. Uh, and in that era, there wasn't an enormous amount of manufacturing growth or when we did see it in Middle Tennessee, it went to Rutherford County. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is Nissan. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of set a course mm-hmm. for Williamson County. Yeah, um, Which I would say is the probably the one type of 
asset that Williamson County is lacking in, in terms of the big picture of the MSA. They have less industrial than anybody else. Absolutely. Where the bulk of what we would technically qualify as industrial is in Cool Springs. And it, it's really uh, uh, it's really a fallacy to call it industrial. Yeah. Um, uh, Duke Realty, what was then Duke Weeks, did most of the industrial development mm-hmm. in Williamson County in the Cool Springs area. And a vast majority of the product that they created is now been converted to single-story office. That's right. We actually appraised something about a year, year and a half ago, and it was a small industrial warehouse in the heart of Cool Springs. And when we appraised it, I can't even remember, but I think there were there was close to being under contract for something like $290 a square foot. And we just said, look, guys, I don't think that there's anything that we can do about this. It's not there yet. Right. But when we talked with those buyers, one of the things that they said was, we need to be in this area. What else is available? And it was a great point because when we started looking into that, we realized, oh, you're right. The supply and demand of this specific asset type in this neighborhood is completely tilted towards the seller. They can almost ask what they want. We still couldn't make sense of that because we said basically at that time you're buying an office building. That's right. At that price. It may look like a warehouse. (laughs) It may be tilt-up construction. It may even be steel with metal siding. Right. But in all... But we had comps to say (laughs) office buildings with the same size are selling at this amount. And this was one of the pieces was, well, show us the office building that we can buy. And it was that was the same thing. It's just the, the supply was so limited in this little neighborhood of Cool Springs that we had to take that into account in a way that we couldn't qualitatively, you know, push. But we also looked at it from just a big picture perspective of supply and demand. I will say for the listeners, we did not hit a $290 square foot <laughs> <laughs> industrial warehouse price on that. But right. uh, you probably got surprised. Probably well above what most people would be comfortable with, though. That's right. And I think what you just really referenced is market dynamic. Uh, Middle Tennessee, Williamson County in particular, in its own you know uh, um, micro environment, is the subject of demand and supply imbalance. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times, us in this field, whether they be in my field of brokerage and property management, or in your field of appraisal, or one of our joint clients, if we have one, you know, their field of development or investment, we forget about those original lessons in economics, Mm -hmm. which is, yes, construction prices are construction prices and replacement values are replacement values. But the market dynamics of supply and demand are the two heaviest factors that can influence. Mm -hmm. And we forget about that, particularly when we go through uh, downturns and when we go through what I call middle market which we haven't seen in Williamson County in some time. We haven't seen it in Middle Tennessee in some time, but that's that supply and demand balance. Right. When we're in these, what we call boom times, we forget that that plays a disproportionate role on everything. Right. Rents, prices, development costs, construction, everything gets more expensive when the demand is ultimately heavier than the supply. Yeah. And you said something earlier before we were recording, but I wanted to bring this out. And this is something that we've seen is it's fairly easy to at least get a general idea of the supply 
what's coming into the market, what's being built in any specific asset type. The demand factor is extremely hard to pinpoint. And we can say, look at demographics and look at growth. But you threw out a stat earlier that just blew me away in terms of, well, how do you quantify that demand? And I'll let you state that one about the relocations to That's right. our area. So I do every month or so, I, I check in on Williamson County's, uh, Williamson County's unique. It has a joint chamber of commerce and uh, economic and community development arm. So Williamson County is unique in that it has its own ECD department, has its own staff that are going out looking to continue to grow the county. They provide a lot of information in our industry. Mm -hmm. They're tracking 34 corporate relocations interested in Williamson County. That's not 34 in Middle Tennessee. That's 34 in Williamson County in their area. Now, will two hit or will 34 hit? You don't know. Right. But the demand intensifies everything. Mm -hmm. That means there's 34 different organizations from 10 to 5,000 employees in the market walking around, looking at quality of life, looking at infrastructure, looking at government, looking at costs, looking at workforce, Mm -hmm. which is becoming even more and more of a part of the conversation in Middle Tennessee. And they're saying... Boy, this Williamson County, that's really interesting. It's a place. It's, we, it's a maybe place we be. don't have to be in the urban core, right? which is where you know we've heard sure. in the news for a good five, eight years now, millennials want to be. Yeah. Maybe we can be in the suburbs, mm-hmm. and maybe it'll still work. And comparatively speaking, I don't know if you know these numbers, and it probably maybe would be even a more of a ballpark, but Davidson County, do we know anything about how many they are, where Nashville is located? Uh, I don't know what their number of deals they're tracking, I would probably just guess. It's it's going to be more than Williamson County. Sure. They have a more diverse set of organizations they can go out and appeal to. Mm-hmm. Davidson County is just a more diverse county sure. in, in every measurable right. uh, uh, statistic. It's probably at least in the 50s. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a wild guess, but I couldn't imagine it would be less. Yeah. Uh, and that's evidenced on both sides by the number of announcements you see. Um, it feels to the common citizen as if we hear about a new company relocating every week or two. That's right. It's not actually that because you don't hear about the small ones. I have a client right now picking up, moving their company from California. Very prototypical story for Middle Tennessee. We have a lot of uh, migration from California right now into Williamson County. Part of it is they're fleeing regulation and tax burden. They say that, not me. And therein lies one of the things that we experience a lot is when we see out-of-town buyers who mm-hmm. are may, have maybe been entrenched in a certain geography, a certain market for 20 years, and they own real estate. And they say, look, if we're going to close doors here and open up there, let's get rid of this asset. Let's mm-hmm. go. And then they come here pocket-heavy, And they're willing to pay whatever the asking price is because at the end of the day, they look at that and go, that's a steal. That's that supply (laughs) demand. Right. But it's influence. That's a great note because people need to understand whether we're talking Williamson County or any other area of Middle Tennessee, their perspective from Chicago, 
from New Jersey, from New York, from Los Angeles, or, or Southern California as a whole. Completely different frame of reference. Completely different frame of reference. They're looking at costs per foot on an acquisition basis that are sometimes twice what our traditional has been. Right. So what we've seen in Williamson County, particularly in valuations, skyrocketing, is not only do we have a lack of supply for that demand, but we also have those who are coming in to a good extent from outside the region have a perspective of, oh, well, of course I'll pay 300 a foot for something that may have been trading 12 months earlier at half that mm-hmm. in our market mm-hmm. because their perspective is of, well, that building costs $300 a foot. So it's okay for me to pay this you know, record-breaking price in this area That's of, right. of Middle Tennessee. That's right, because I just sold mine the same size for 450 Right. And so they're giddy to I'm, some extent. I can... I can finance and put a lot in my pocket and make this move all together at the same time. So we are seeing that, I mean, and that move inward of outside money of also institutional money into Middle Tennessee really for the first time in the last 10 years maybe mm-hmm. is has been huge in moving the dial. The, I, I use this because in our business, we spend a lot of time talking with investors outside the market. We'll get the call, whether it be a referral from another NAI office or from our own sphere of, of, of influence or contacts, and they'll say, hey, so tell me a little bit about the Nashville market. Yeah. And I always break it up. I say, well, there's Nashville, Middle Tennessee, and we have one set of data we can provide for that. And then we always say, look, you can also look at Williamson County as its own little freestanding submarket. What's interesting is when you get down to it, Nashville, Middle Tennessee was built by Middle Tennesseans. The development in in Cool Springs, which is that area between Brentwood and Franklin, right, that really sits in Franklin, was primarily built, the office environment was primarily built by a Middle Tennessean. Downtown Nashville was primarily built by Nashvillians. Mm -hmm. Nashville's a very bootstrapped region. Um, The companies, the historical companies that have come out of Middle Tennessee have been family companies. They've been companies that were built over the course of many years. Right. That's not dissimilar in most middle America. You go to any middle America city and you're going to see that. This run, the last nine years, and we could even carve it up even more and say the last five years. Right. A lot of that growth has been from outside that market. Which has caused this exponential yes. growth. Yes. And, and the kind of every new sale is hitting a new number here. It, it feels like it. I feel like we just dialed into something here. Yeah, I mean, we? <laughs> there's a lot you can unpack with that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, one of the things that we chatted about and we talked about just a couple weeks ago was we were appraising something in downtown Franklin. Mm-hmm. And downtown Franklin's primarily made up of actually smaller, older, single-family residences within about a, what, six to eight block radius of the downtown center. And a lot of these are on the historic registry. What is that doing to that market right now? I mean, we, we've appraised a number of those down there, and you gave me some insight that I just loved hearing. But you talked about that a little bit and, and what's going on down there because we're seeing, quite honestly, some of the prices per square foot on Main Street in mm-hmm. what you would consider just a small, you know, historic downtown area are five, 600 bucks a square foot for some of these prime pieces. That's right. And the closest comparable on some of the rates you're seeing in downtown Franklin on the commercial built product are downtown Nashville. 
Mm-hmm. You're seeing the same numbers. Now you're seeing those inflated in the tourist district. Sure. You know, we've seen a thousand dollars per foot trade in downtown Nashville, but it was primarily a locational purchase. Uh, but you're seeing those numbers in downtown Nashville and in downtown Franklin. Yeah. Downtown Franklin is that different. Right. It's that feels like small town, mm-hmm. but has some amenities that aren't small town. Right. Uh, I always tell folks that come into the market and say, well, we don't want to be in a suburban environment. I say, well, have you looked at downtown Franklin? I say, well, what do you mean downtown Franklin? And I say, well, okay, let me walk you down there. We're going to get out of the car at five points and we're going to walk to the, the square. And then we're going to walk down to Harpeth Square now at the other end. And they see an anthropology right next to a local mom and pop. And then I can walk them in and we can have an unbelievable meal at one of five or six great restaurants. Mm -hmm. And they see this mix of national and local. Right. And they're impressed. Most people forget there's a Chico's and an Anthro in downtown Franklin. Yeah. Like, wait, what? Anthropology. Right. Of all the places they could have gone in Nashville, they chose Green Hills and downtown Franklin. That's right. Downtown Franklin being a stone's throw from really the commercial center of Williamson County in Cool Springs. Mm-hmm. They chose this quaint, walkable area. And there's something to be said about that. So you have this these historical structures, which the community has really labored to, to preserve. You combine that with it's just different. It feels different. It's a downtown environment without the challenges of downtown, mm-hmm. the traffic, right. the density. So what that's done is it's created this huge, just awesome demand on that area for commercial product. And you see that you mentioned, you know, you're seeing uh, things on Main Street trade north of $500. We've completed four or five deals in the downtown Franklin area over the last several months. And one we're wrapping up now is a sale transaction. And it is, it's not a registered historical structure, but it, it probably could be. Um, it probably could qualify, mm-hmm. but it's been incredibly well rehabbed and taken care of. So we put it out on the market and the the owners have owned it for about five or six years. And their perspective was um, of what they bought it at. And these are educated folks. Our our sellers were educated folks. They know that market. They just didn't know the commercial side of it. And so they said, well, what do you think it's worth? And we said, well, quite frankly, the market's going to tell us, but we think whatever Whatever you could dream of, it's probably, you know, it's probably possible. And so we put a very aspirational number on it. And sure enough, we got really, really close if the deal ends up closing, and it mm-hmm. should. And so what it did is it, it was this, this thing where we said, look, there's enough outside interest in being down here that people aren't just buying your building. They're buying the fact that they're in downtown Franklin. That's right. And they can tell the couple of employees they want or the couple of tenants they want. If they're, if they're an investment buyer, they can say, we have commercial office space in downtown Franklin. Yeah. And you, you hit on an interesting point, and we kind of talked about this, that even if it's an investment buyer, you, that, that buyer almost has to still owner-occupy to gain the full uh, benefit of paying what they're paying because at the end of the day, from a strictly investment standpoint, mm-hmm. can you go downtown Franklin, buy a little office building and be like, this is going to be a great ROI 
I don't think that it's occurring. It's one of the things that's actually driven us when we get into those markets like a downtown Franklin. Mm-hmm. We're seeing this, and we talked about this in Berry Hill in Nashville. That's a, a great example, area. yes. Um, older single-family residences converted to commercial uses, and there's such an allure there that your owner-occupant is willing to pay for this kind of hard-to-put-your-finger-on caveat about this property. It's to be in Franklin. It's to be in Berry Hill. And from that standpoint, what we're seeing is the rents really don't keep up with that. You go buy, unless you've got more money than you know what to do with and your (laughs) LTV is, you know, 40%. Right. You know, you really... We're seeing some of that. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Which there, and that's probably part of what is driving the number, but we, it's hard to make sense of those types of properties from an investment standpoint, aka from the appraiser the income capitalization approach almost never applies. It, it, we just it, can't get to those It's numbers. really hard. Uh, it's funny. When you put a, a commercially zoned asset in downtown Franklin on the market, the first wave you get are real estate brokers who have a client directly or in their pocket that want to be in that area. Mm-hmm. And they'll call you, and the first thing they argue, and I'm, I do the same thing, Sure, is they, they're, they're trying to push on your you're asking price. Yeah. First thing they do is, well, rents don't equal that value. <laughs> and and their standard response, and we all give it to each other, yeah. is, I know that. Yeah, we get that. And? <laughs> and this is still the asking price. That's still the asking price. And that still ends up, like you said, you're getting pretty close to that regardless. You are. I think to some extent. I would be interested, before we move on from that, was the buyer of that property, and I don't know what you're talking about, were they an owner-occupant or at least partially owner-occupant of that Yes. Okay, there you go. That's right. It is one of those things that I was surprised for the last three to five years, keep being surprised, keep, but now I'm, I've kind of stopped being surprised, you know? It, 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 it's shocking. Um, it keeps going, but it's, there's a piece of me that says, I'm no longer going to be surprised at what I see in this city and in, in the city of Franklin and Williamson County and Nashville, surrounding areas. I agree. I think that most folks, particularly natives of the area or those that have been here more than 20 years, have stopped saying, wow. They just now read it, understand it, and say, oh, well, okay. That we're doesn't surprise me. Another anymore. new high. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. We're, we're kind of used to it now. It, it, it's, and it's a little numbing. It's, it's obviously on the brokerage side of our business. It's always something we feel like we're constantly looking over our shoulder yeah. at, which is when is the next downturn going to come? Yeah. The general understanding is short of global geopolitical catastrophe of some type. The train is not going to stop in this area. It right. may slow, right? Uh, the num- but the number of people moving to Middle Tennessee, that spigot is not going to be turned off. Mm-hmm. Um, all the cities in Middle Tennessee have historically generally been well run. Mm-hmm. You can certainly put that label on Williamson County, City of Franklin, City of Brentwood, Williamson County's you know mayoral seat, which was a, a, a is now a mayor seat have all had very effective leaders. We speak to investors, and that's one of the things we say is, don't forget whether they're interested in in Williamson County, Cool Springs, or Brentwood, or whether they're interested in the the region as a whole. One of the reasons we're doing well is because we've been governed well. Mm -hmm. And it it matters a lot. It really does. Yeah. 
which is an interesting thing. We take a look at like legally permissible uses when we come in and value something. And that's one of the pieces that we have to get into, especially when we get on the outskirts, is the political piece and mm-hmm. is the piece of, well, what, what does everybody want? Because, yes, we can look at a zoning and say, here's what you're allowed to do. <laughs> and sometimes what we recognize in smaller towns is, it may not matter what it says you can do. <laughs> right. It may matter what so-and-so says you can that's do. That's right. And that's where we try and we really try and keep our tenant up for those types of sub-markets when right. there's more factors at play than just here is what the zoning code says. Well, that's one of the things that sets Williamson County apart. Or we'll say this. I'll qualify that. I'll say... I believe that's one of the things that sets Brentwood and Franklin apart from its brothers and sisters in the region. And that is both communities have been well-governed. They're also communities that are fiercely protective of their rate and type of growth. Mm -hmm. Brentwood is known as one of the most difficult communities to do rezonings in. Well, that may be frustrating to an outside developer, but it's celebrated by the community because they define their future. Franklin is known as that as well. They're difficult places to become a ground-up developer. But it's not impossible or unfair. It's strict. And when you stop and you say, what makes quality of life? It's the balance between a commercial you know, built product and a residential built product and how they work with each other from a citizen standpoint. That's quality of life. Mm-hmm. So both communities have done a really tremendous job in protecting how growth happens. Franklin is very proactive in looking to the future. Brentwood's nearing the end of its growth pattern uh, as a city just by sheer number of square miles and what's available that's left. And it's been very protective in its own unique way. Mm -hmm. And the communities are seeing benefit of that. Yeah. Which, like you said, from a lot of outsiders looking in, that's, come on, wouldn't they want the, the tax income from us building this brand new. Right. And they're saying, look, we've got the long ball picture here. They do. They we, do. We know what we want. We know what we want to achieve. And we're willing to, you know, takes a little extra time to get this done the right way to make everybody thankful that they're still, you know, living in Williamson County. And in the commercial built product environment, it puts a premium on something that's already built. That's right. And that translates back to the beginning of our conversation, which is, we see these unu- what feels like unusually high rates on commercial product investment as it relates to other areas. Right. And it's because there's a, you have a mid-rise office building in Cool Springs. Well, rent growth has been astronomical, and the barriers to entry are high. That's right. So I'm willing to come in if I want you know, part of my portfolio stabilization strategy is to go invest in Middle Tennessee as a growth market. I have a high degree of confidence in putting some money down in Cool Springs, an existing office product. Yeah, for an asset that's already there. Right, because the barriers to entry are high. That's right. When you say that, uh, and we talked, just touched on it earlier, and I want to wrap us up here in a minute, but do you remember in the last couple of years where you had maybe an aha moment about, wow, because we've all had them of, this is totally wild. This is something different than I thought it had, was, was ever going to be or, or anything like that. That's something that jumps out at you, maybe anecdotally, mm-hmm. uh, a story that you have of something. I saw this in Williamson County or in this specific sub-market of Williamson County. 
in Williamson County as a whole, uh, within this cycle, but earlier on in the cycle, the very first time I heard of and saw on office, rents surpassed $30 a foot. Hmm. One of the vendors in the market uh, did a, a luncheon this week, and they were talking about rent growth. And they said, so Brentwood, Maryland Farms, that's about an 8.1 million square foot submarket. So nationally, that's small. Locally, that's pretty, that's pretty strong. It's, it's healthy. You know, it's one of the, the larger submarkets in right. office. And a lot of Class A. It has a 50% rent, greater than 50% rent growth since the downturn, since 2009. Mm-hmm. In 2009, rents in Brentwood were in the teens, the high teens. On a full-service gross basis. On a full-service gross basis. And, and the expenses run typically six to $8. Right. Now, new A product in Brentwood is 34 to $36. Cool Springs has been similar. So when I first saw those rents, asking rents past $30, it was that aha moment of, wow, wow mm. something's different. Mm-hmm. Some of that was due to just raw construction costs and land costs, but it was also opportunistic in that the demand was there and the supply wasn't. Um, you have to give, if you're talking Williamson County, you cannot have a conversation about commercial product without talking about Pat Emery. That's right. Who's really the, the, the father of Williamson County office, can single-handedly be given most of the credit for creating the Cool Springs office market. Mm-hmm. And it was one of his buildings that did it mm. when, when he first announced Franklin Park, right at the interchange of McEwen mm-hmm. uh, and Carruthers. That's right. They were asking a $30 rate. And I thought, holy cow. Yeah. And, and you, did you say to yourself, there's no way he'll get it for, <laughs> for a moment? Probably privately to yeah, myself. Right. You know, in my head, I yeah. probably laughed a little bit and thought, yeah. oh, good yeah. Lord. Right. Yeah, they'll never get that. that. That's the asking rate. That won't be the that's actual right. contract rate. But it was. Right. They got it. Right. And they may have given away a little more to make the, you know, the snowball start. But we're well beyond that now. That's right. Interestingly enough, the northern end of the county in, in Brentwood, Maryland Farms, has been the beneficiary with not an enormous amount of, a, of, of new product absorption, not a lot of new buildings in the Brentwood, Maryland Farms area over the last 10 years, comparatively to the prior 25. Mm-hmm. They've been the beneficiary of that rent growth. So where well, you've also seen some interestingly high acquisition prices in the Maryland Farms area based on the fact that rent growth has gone up. I mean, it, you're, go, you're talking from a $18, $19 Class A rate to a $34 Class A rate. Right, for, in, for existing buildings. Existing in less than... In less than 10 years. Yeah. It, it's Which is an interesting thing because knowing the little bit that I do about the Maryland Farms office park, which is kind of the, the CRE heart of Brantwood, mm-hmm. it, didn't it go through two different downturns in, in terms of, in its history, it, it went back to the lenders of the development of the actual land development, two, I think two there different are, times. There are good examples of that throughout Maryland Farms. But so, now it's completely built out. But it's, you got to remember, Maryland Farms started in the 70s. Right. What is now Cool Springs Mall, right? The idea of a mall serving Williamson County and South Nashville. The original idea was to put it in what is now Maryland Farms. I because have, everybody was like, who's going to drive out that far? 
it was, a, I mean, it was a farm. My perspective of Cool Springs is the farm that used to be there and some friends of friends and taking some dirt bikes out there and going and riding around on what is now Cool Springs Mall. Yeah. I mean, that's, I was a kid that grew up in Brentwood. That's your experience. That was my, that's how I thought of it. When they started to build that, I was finishing high school and it was like, oh, okay, whatever. I didn't think twice about it. But the fact that CBL came in and said, well, no, no, there's something big going on here in the 80s is a real testament to that still as where malls are falling apart and and going under all over um, America, that enclosed traditional super regional mall in Franklin is killing it. Yes. Doing very well. Doing which very is, well. Which but, is surprising and is not And it's got some age right now. now. I mean, you, yeah. people got to remember it's, it's over 20 years old now. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's, it's doing well. They're investing money in it. CBL still owns it. So there's the original developer holding on to it long term because they're seeing rent growth. They're seeing, you know, income, population, mm. density, all these things going up in the area. I would be remiss if I didn't let you talk a little bit about what is, uh, I think, is really exciting for you to the degree and uh, you're merging mm-hmm. in AI Nashville's merging with the Stanton Group, Deborah Viol. Right. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. How did that come <laughs> about? How do you make that decision? And what are you excited about uh, about that merger? I'm excited because, you know, we're, we're going through the process and they've moved in. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're married now and it's going incredibly well. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a conversation that started, uh, I call it the old way we did business in commercial real estate. Uh, one of the first things a mentor told me was, son, you need to go make sure you have lunch with everybody that's noteworthy in Nashville mm. at least once a year, but really two, three times a year. Mm. And so as a younger man in the industry, I made sure I reached out to people and I got to know Deborah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kept up with each other. And uh, there were times where we were outsourcing elements of our property management to her firm. She was performing some of the back-end accounting for our clients. And it just became this conversation over time. Um, what are your plans? Well, I don't know. What are your plans? So last year, we sat down, we had lunch, and, and I asked her what her plans were. And she said, I don't know. Maybe we should get hitched. <laughs> and it became this kind of fun conversation. And we began right there at lunch to say, well, what do you guys not do? And who are your clients? Mm-hmm. And we really dove deep into it. Our clients are very similar in nature in many cases. And our services were almost 100% complementary. The only crossover is where they do brokerage for their institutional and high net worth individual clients. Mm. And then that even became complimentary. Mm. What their group brought to us was this awesome portfolio of loyal clients and relationships in the community. A lot of people forget Deborah's one of the first people to really dedicate to commercial real estate in Middle Tennessee. Mm. Um, She's been in the business since the 70s. And knows everybody, has relationships, and more so is incredibly Mm well-respected. That was very important to me. Um, If we were going to grow through a merger, it was going to be somebody who had an equal or better reputation than we did. Right. So complementary. Our cultures are eerily similar. Uh, The way we interact as a team, the way our people interact with each other, and the way we interact with our clients. That was number two. 
the final part of it is was just timing. It works. Yeah. Um, we're having a great time with it. Um, we're crossing over, uh, serving clients now, and it's working really well. That's so fantastic. We're thrilled with it. Um, I, I believe she would say the same thing, um, but uh, uh, it was needed for our group. Uh, I think needed for theirs as well, and uh, certainly, at the end of the day, our clients are benefiting, which is was important. Well, congratulations on that. That sounds like a obviously beneficial move for NAI Nashville and the Stanton Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, excited to see what comes out of y'all's offices in the future. Um, Devin, today was great. Uh, I don't even feel like we looked at our notes at all here. <laughs> we were just, it was so good and so easy. So thank you so much Happy. for agreeing to Happy this. Happy to do it. Thanks for the invitation. And uh Come back anytime. I I can come back anytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we will. We'll circle back someday. Thanks again. And uh, you're listening to the Providing Value Podcast with Zach Doris. Look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Providing Value Podcast. I would like to thank my guests for their time and effort in making this podcast possible. I'd also like to thank our producer, Jesse Montagna, and visual artist, Brian Freeman, for their help as well. Please take a quick minute to rate and review this show. Your opinion matters and helps spread this podcast to more people in the CRE community. I note here that I, Zach Doris, have no affiliations, partnerships, or business associations with today's guests. The views, thoughts, opinions, and outlooks expressed in this podcast by my guests belong solely to them and they do not necessarily reflect my views, thoughts, and opinions, or that of my firm, the Z Doris Group. Thanks again for listening, and join us next time on the Providing Value Podcast. Mm-hmm.